My name is Justin Craig. I am the Family Life and Children's Minister here at Windsor Road Christian Church. And my primary job is found with these two. Uh, These are my two girls. Uh, Lucy is on the left, and she is five and really excited about kindergarten. And Violet is two, and she is on the left and really excited about donut holes uh, because they are yummy. If you haven't had one, they're yummy. You should try them. This is on one of our many daddy-daughter dates uh, at the local Dunkin' Donuts. And uh, before I get too far into this, I, I have something. It's, it's Mother's Day, and uh, there are some people that, that, that need something. In order to, you know, really show appreciation to, to the people that are special in my life, Diane, this is for you. This is my mother-in-law. The, just a couple of M&Ms to snack on. And then this is for Stephanie, who is not here. Feel the love on that one. That's good. And then this is for my mom. Happy Mother's Day. There you go. All right. Now, I bought those selfishly because I know they're going to share them. All right. Uh, Lucy has always had some fire in her. I love her to pieces, and she is exactly like me. She's always right about everything, and I love that, okay? But there was one morning shortly after we moved here, probably about six months after we moved here, uh, in, in March of 2012, uh, that, that Lucy and I decided on a Monday morning that we would, we would head out, we would go out to First Christian Church's playground, and we would play for a little while, okay? She was just about two, and, and we were going out, we were playing or whatever, and, and, and Lucy's always needed the schedule, so I said to her, I was like, Lucy, you got about five minutes left. She goes, okay, like waves and goes, and I'm like, oh, don't fall, <laughs> okay? And then, you know, I'm like, Lucy, you got three minutes left, okay, you know, waving at me, daddy, I made it, I'm like, yay, don't fall, okay? And then it was like, Lucy, one minute left, okay, and then it was like, Lucy, one more slide. That's how we figure we generally get the kids to exit the building, okay? One more slide. So she goes down the twirly slide. I catch her, and it's like she's never met me before. Ah, Just screaming and like throwing her hands at me. I'm like, who are you? Demon, come out of her now. You know, it's like, what's going on? And she is flailing her arms. She is so, she's screaming like I punched the dog in the face. You know, it's just like, stop screaming. And of course, you know, we're there with a thousand other moms and all the moms are like, well, that's none of my business. What's going on? You know, hey, hey. Oh yeah, happy Mother's Day, by the way. And, and they're all like, oh, great. That's a, Oh, yeah, and and of course, Satan kind of enters into me at this point and starts to play with my mind a little bit and goes, you know, all these women know that you're the children's minister over at at Windsor Road, and uh, they all think you're terrible at your job because you can't handle your own child, and I'm just going, leave me alone, and so finally, I get Lucy, and I'm just like, okay, we're just going to power through, and so I pick her up like a bag of mulch and carry her over to our bench. I set her down on the bench, and she's still, you know, squirming around and not having it. I put one arm in her coat, and she pulls it right back out, and I'm like, well, this is not going to work. And so finally, I take her jacket, and I set it on top of her like a cape, and I pick her up like this, and I just walk out like this, just going like, yeah, right, don't judge me. You know, it's like, "Uh uh-huh, I see you. You're going to be leaving with the same way with your kids, except you got 12. I only got one, okay? And it was just, it was messy, 
Okay, now I couldn't, I couldn't leave out this. I left this out first service because my mom wasn't here. But there's, you know, kids are going to make life a little bit messy like the time I got lost in the department store because I was hiding. <laughs> it was really fun. Okay, or the time that I was knocked unconscious in a food court in Rockford, Illinois. Okay, it was, I decided that I could do it myself. So I had to go to the bathroom. So I got up from our table and sprinted in the wrong direction. Bathroom's over there, sprinting this way. And bing, there's like these metal bars that go around the food court, and I ran face first into it, knocked myself out, woke up with like somebody going, are you okay? I'm like, you know, I had no idea what was happening. Why? Because kids make life messy. Parenting is messy. And it's not always clear. It's not, it's not ever easy, but it is always our responsibility. And so I say that this morning because I want you to know that this is a safe place where messiness is okay. It's okay to be messy here. It's okay to come in not having everything figured out. And as we continue our our Family on Purpose series this morning, as we talk about making a difference this morning, I want us to think about this. If we want our families to make a difference in this world, we need to stand secure in our surroundings. We need to instill faithfulness to the next generation And we need to leave unwavering as we follow God's plan for our families. If you guys have your Bibles, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 this morning. If you don't have your Bibles and there's not one in front of you, it will be right up here on our screen as well. Deuteronomy chapter 6, some good words from Moses this morning. We'll be starting in verses 4 and 5. Moses says this, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Moses starts out our scripture this morning by saying, Hear, O Israel. See, Moses is smart here. He's not just talking to individuals. He's not just talking to families. He's talking to the entire community. And so I want you to picture with me this morning. So whether you have kids, and you are living right now in the messiness of parenting, or you have grown kids, and you have lived through the messiness and made it out alive, Or maybe you were like me, pre-kids, and you don't have kids yet, but you have the messiness of parenting all figured out. You play a vital role in helping families be successful. Because that's what a community does. We are able to stand secure as we face the challenges of parenting with a strong community surrounding us. We are able to stand secure as we face the challenges of parenting with a strong community surrounding us. Jesus created the church so that we could run after him together. I love uh, Acts chapter 2. It's it's the start of the first church. Peter's headlining the main sessions of church that time, and and he's preaching, he's giving them the good word. But Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, it's very specific about what they did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. They gathered together and broke bread in each other's homes. They ate together. And when someone was in need, they got together and met that need of that person together. They sold everything they had and met the need of that person. They, them, we, together. It's not about individuals. It's not about how good or bad I am as a dad. It's about how are we going to raise children together. How are we going to be encouragements to each other? And as a church, we know that you care more about your kids than we ever could because they're your kids. And we also know that you have much more time with them than we do 
So we follow the rule of two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences. You see, as a church, we don't want to be just another voice in their lives. We want to be a combined voice with you in their lives, in your kids' lives, because they have voices that are reaching them from wherever they are in the world. There's more noise now than there ever has been, and it will just continue to gradually get more and more loud. But if we combine our efforts as a church and as families, I believe that Jesus will have the strongest and loudest voice. Two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences. We believe that we want the same things that you want for your kids, to run after Jesus, to chase him with everything they have. My nephew, Jameson, is a fantastic baseball player. My my brother and sister-in-law post videos of his games all the time, hitting home runs, making plays in the field. He's great. I went to the ball field with him last September. He wasn't even playing. We're walking around. My brother and I and my nephew, Jameson, are walking around, and everybody, hey, Jameson, high five. Younger kids, older kids, everybody. I felt like I was with a celebrity. I was like, this is great. Should I, like, protect you? Is there anybody you don't want to say hi or anything like that? And he, he's, he's just high five, high five, and everybody. He's a great baseball player, a great kid. But in 100 years, none of that matters. In 100 years, the only thing that matters is our kids' relationship with Jesus. And not that those things are bad. The extracurriculars in life are not bad, but Jesus needs to be first. He needs to be first. And as a community, we need to be supporting families that are doing that. Which is why our family life team operates under the mission of making the word of God known, understood, owned, and lived in the hearts, minds, and actions of each of our children and our students. Making the word of God known, understood, owned, and lived. We want to make sure that we are helping you as parents, making sure that they are cultivating the relationship they are making with Jesus, making it work for them, owning it for themselves, and then living it out in a grander scale. Because two combined influences will make a greater impact than just two influences. And so we are able to stand secure with a strong community surrounding us. The second thing I believe Moses wants us to hear in Deuteronomy chapter 6 are in verses 6 and 7. He says this, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You see, Moses understands messiness. Moses was, was, was abandoned by his family because they thought he might, he might be killed. Rescued by Pharaoh, taken into, taken into Egypt, ends up killing an Egyptian who's hurting an Israelite, a fellow brother of his. He flees away. That's when God calls him and brings him back and says, I want you to lead these people. He says, not me. I've, I'm not eloquent in speech. God says, yes, you. You are to rescue my people out of Egypt. So he goes, tells Pharaoh, has some interaction with Pharaoh, ends up, ends up being, being scooted out with the Israelites and then being chased by the Egyptians, goes through the Red Sea and then is wandering for 40 years with a bunch of complainers. Moses understands messiness. But the other thing that Moses understands is a family's relationship with each other. And Moses is actually a family ministry genius. I bet you guys didn't know that this morning, did you? 
Moses is a family ministry genius. You see, what happens here is Moses is helping us create a rhythm that couples our everyday activities with instilling consistency, growth, and faithfulness. Moses is seeing that if God is constantly talked about during these everyday activities, eventually it becomes abnormal for us to not discuss God. This is what discipleship is. When we talk about discipleship and who are we discipling, who's discipling us, that is what discipleship is. It's not what we attend, it's who we are becoming, it's who we are following, and it's what we are learning. Moses is suggesting, hey, you do this every day, you should also be talking about God every day. So when you do this, talk about God. When you do this, talk about God. When I'm teaching with our, with our kindergarten through fourth graders, I tell them when I'm trying to help them develop spiritual habits, Mike, if we, want, if we want you guys to pray or think about the Lord every day, what do you do every day? Well, we brush our teeth because mom and dad make us, so great job. Dental hygiene's important. So I say, as you're brushing your teeth, think about the ways that God wants to use you today. Because Moses is saying that if we couple our everyday rhythm with the consistency of Christ, it becomes abnormal for us to not discuss God. And the church is here. The church is here to act as that support. The church is here so that we can stand secure. But hear me closely. The church is not a drop-off discipleship program. It's just not. That's not the way it's designed to be. It's designed to act as a support system. My job as the family life minister is to make sure that everything that we do from birth through high school is done in a way that, that tailors to the family. We hope that it is, it is empowering to you, that it is encouraging to you that, that everything that we do on our calendar year is helping you disciple your children better. It's helping lead your children better into a closer relationship with Christ. But hear this really closely. Don't find a false sense of security in the notion that our children are growing spiritually because they attend something. Don't find a false sense of security in the notion that our children are growing spiritually because they attend something. Don't delegate discipleship. That's our job as parents. We don't need to reach the next generation. We need to raise the next generation. So how do we disciple our kids? It should be in your notes there. The first one on how we disciple our kids, how we make them be excited about God and develop healthy habits, the first one is pray. Mark Batterson wrote a book several years ago called Praying Circles Around Your Children. And he says in that book, make sure that God hears about your children every day by name. You see, we don't become praying parents by default. It's not just, oh, we have a baby, now we're praying parents. No, it doesn't happen that way. We become praying parents by the design of our life, by the desire of our heart, and the discipline of our actions. If we, want to, if we want to raise up spiritually healthy kids, if we want to instill a faithfulness into the next generation, we have to pray for them. The second thing is that we need to be in God's word. Randy says in every starting point, if you want to know more about Jesus, read the Bible. 
If you want to know what God wants you to do with your life, read your Bible. We need to be in the word individually and together as a family unit. Because we can't pass on what we don't possess. We can't pass on what we don't have. If we want our children to have a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, then we must be seeking out a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ ourselves. The last thing is we need to be spending time together. And I know this is hard. Pastor Randy talked about this several weeks ago about our families being crazy busy. But just being together can never substitute for interacting together in a meaningful way. You see, we can fast forward our child's life, but we can't rewind it. Derek Brown is professor of Christian theology at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And as I was reading this, it rocked my world. I got up out of my office because I had to just process this on my feet. He says this about having intentional time with our children. He says, if we talk to our children about spiritual things only during our nightly routines or on Sundays after church, we're gradually teaching them to isolate their faith to a few small sections of the day and week. That killed me. I'm the family life minister. I'm the children's minister here at the church, and I wasn't doing much more than that. He continues to say that the call that God places on us to disciple our kids is far more broad than what a few minutes can afford. And he references our scripture for the morning. He says, Deuteronomy 6 portrays an all-inclusive approach to discipleship that resists compartmentalization. Why? Because Moses is suggesting that we couple the relationship with God in our everyday rhythm. These things shall be on our hearts. We don't want to quarantine the word of God to a single portion of the day as we want our kids to grow up finding faith that is everywhere and a savior who really does change everything, not just bedtime. And here's an important note that I need, I need each of you to, to understand this morning because this is something that I have to continue to wrestle with every day. Everything doesn't have to be right in your life for you to effectively disciple your child. Everything doesn't have to be right in your life to be a positive spiritual influence in your child. You see, God's design is not for perfection, it's for faithfulness. God's design is not for perfection, it's for faithfulness. I love the story in Luke chapter 5 where there is, there is a paralyzed man. He hears of Jesus coming to his town to preach and to teach his friends hear of it too, so they come, they gather him up on his mat, and they carry him through the city. They find the house where Jesus is in, but it is packed, filled. You can't get in. And so what do they do? They quit, they go home, they leave him there. Sorry, man, better luck next time. No, they, they pursue Jesus a little bit more than that. They, they hoist their friend up onto the roof. Seems reasonable to me. My parents didn't think so when I was a kid, but yeah, that seems like a good idea. We hoist our friend up onto the roof. They start digging a hole in the roof where they believe that Jesus is right underneath them, and they start to lower their friend in front of Jesus. And I imagine Jesus just going there, well, huh, never seen this before. 
mean, I've walked on water, but uh, I ain't never seen this before. Sorry, in my mind, Jesus has like this country twang, and it's just, I'm sorry if that doesn't work for you. It's just, just something about it, but I mean, I'm just imagining Jesus just kind of laughing, like just going, wow, that's, that's impressive. He looks at the man and he says, because of their faith, your sins are forgiven. Get up, take your mat, and go home. The man gets up, takes his mat, and leaves, walking. I want us to not miss the pursuit of Jesus. Are we relentlessly pursuing Jesus for our children? As we stand secure in our community around us, we also need to be instilling faithfulness. We are to instill a faithfulness and be relentless as we lead the next generation to become dedicated followers of Christ. Are we willing to dig holes in things so that our kids can see Jesus better? Are we willing to interrupt our day so that our kids can see Jesus? The last thing I believe Moses wants us to hear this morning, God wants us to listen to, is in verses 8 and 9. Moses says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. He's talking about the love of the Lord your gods here. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Moses references four things here. He references our hands. Talking about when we're working, when we are leaving, when we are working. We should be loving the Lord our God with everything we have. When we see others, when we see, what we see, and how we see needs to be important. He talks about the doorposts. These things should be as a sign on the doorposts of our homes, meaning our individual homes. God should be praised and taught in our homes. And then I love this. I love how he, I love how he ends this, this, this portion of Scripture. Because he says they should also be on your gates. Most houses back then wouldn't have had gates on them. He's referring to the gates of the city. So he's saying, look, I know you have a comfortable community here, but when you leave those gates, make sure that you are loving the Lord your God with everything that you have. See, we're not just standing secure. We're not just instilling faithfulness. We need to be motivating the next generation to leave unwavering to a world who desperately needs the message of a God who loves, saves, and restores. Like I've already said, Lucy has some fire in her. She's always been independent, She's always positive that the way that she is doing something is the right way. And as parents of toddlers, we've had the two-hour, two-minute timeout. So our rule at the Craig House is that you have to sit in timeout for the whole two minutes until the buzzer beeps on the oven before you can get up. And there was one night, it's like minute 58, and she stands up, and it's like, ah, boop, 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 sit back down, you know? And it was just like, this is never going to end. It lasted for almost two hours. Her timeout did one night. It was, it was like, girl, just sit down. Like, it's okay. It's okay. You can be right. Right there. That's where you can be right is right there. Just sit there. Two minutes. That's it. She's always had some fire in her. Dr. James Dobson calls them strong-willed children. We got two copies of the book if anybody wants it. Two copies. Anybody wants it? The old one and the revised one, because there's new stuff in the revised one. 
And as I've been praying for Lucy, as she's, been, she's, she's excited to enter into kindergarten, I've been praying for the school, I've been praying for her teachers, I've been praying for, my wife has been praying specifically that she would just not have a ton of friends, but maybe just have one really good friend that lifts her up, that loves her just the way she is, somebody she could be confident with. We've been praying over her about her schooling and that she would not be easily swayed as she's moving into a different world of influence, we're starting to realize that, that our voice is not going to be the only voice she hears anymore. And I feel God just kind of tapping me on the shoulder going, hey, I already took care of that. See, strong-willed is not a negative term, it's a positive term. God's going, she's going to go into that school and change it. She's going to go into that school and be confident in who she is. And that's been our prayer. Is that we want her as she is leaving the realm of our house. Only for a few short hours a day, but that she would be confident and unwavering in her faith in Jesus Christ. And I tend to always have a slight fear of how Satan and our world will influence my children. But I want to be part of raising a generation that Satan fears. I want to raise up a generation to a church that loves them more than sin does. I want to raise up the next generation that does not just raise awareness, but that generates action. I want to raise up a generation that is empowered to make a difference because they are a confident child of God. I love Paul's words to Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Timothy is kind of young, inexperienced in ministry. He's kind of been Paul's right-hand man, but never done it by himself. Paul is encouraging him. He says to Timothy, He said, God did not give you a spirit of timidity or fear, but he gave you a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. And it makes me think, what if I treated my child as if they were not my child, but that they were the child of God that they were created to be? You see, my children are not made in the image of Justin. My children are made in the image of God. My children are not given my spirit. They're given the spirit of the Lord, which has power and love and self-discipline in it. And it makes me constantly be asking myself this question that sometimes hurts. When it comes to my kids, am I approaching this situation with my agenda or with God's agenda? Paul David Tripp is a Christian author and speaker. He says, the goal of parenting is to raise children who are once dependent on us to be independent. Mature people who, with reliance on God and proper connectedness to Christian community, are able to stand on their own two feet. The goal of parenting is to raise up children, not to keep them for ourselves, but to send them for God's work. And it doesn't stop when they're 18. I was gently reminded of that after first service. So at 18, the questions get bigger. The life decisions become bigger. So it doesn't stop when they're out of our homes. Our words become more crucial when they're out of our homes. Because we can't always speak to them all the time. But our job is to not raise them up and then keep them for ourselves. Our job is to raise them up and send them out for God's work. Because they are his children. They are made in his image. They have his spirit. 
And our kids are going to do wonderful things for the kingdom of God. Bigger things than we could ever imagine or think of as parents. Why? Because we can't outdream God. God has huge plans for each of our kids. If we want our families to make a difference in this world, we need to stand secure in our surroundings. We need to instill a faithfulness to the next generation. And we need to leave unwavering as we follow God's plan for our families. In order to make a difference in our world, we must first make a difference in our homes. I want to raise up my children in the Lord so that they have a strong, resilient, and lifelong relationship with Jesus. And so that they can raise the generation after them with that same pursuit of Christ. See, as families, we... We can't stand secure because we have this community cheering us on. Nobody's here rooting, rooting for you to fail. Nobody here has it all figured out. Everybody here is doing life messy. But as a church community, we are here to surround each other and love on each other no matter what stage of life we are in. As families, we can instill faithfulness with a partnership of the church making sure that Jesus is the loudest voice that our kids hear. And as families, we can let our kids leave unwavering. Not because of us and the things that we have taught them, but because they are instilled with God. Because God is not leaving their side. God is faithful even when we are not. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this undeserved love God, thank you for giving us these children that are not ours. They are on loan from you. God, we pray that you would help us to raise them right, raise them up in your name, loving you, and ready to do your work. God, thank you for the blessings that they are and the wonderful memories that we make with them, the times that we have with them. God, we know that even as they leave our homes, they don't leave your side. God, you are wonderful. God, thanks for dealing with my messiness. God, thanks for dealing with all of us, the baggage that we bring in to our relationship with you. God, thanks most of all for Jesus because without him, none of this is possible for us. We can't love, we can't serve, we can't grow without Jesus. God, help us to be a better community. Help us to be better families. Help us to raise up children into your image. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.